Total Soccer Show, and our review of World Cup Day 8. Germany will survive another day after managing to keep Spain at bay. Maybe the Germans will be just fine. Now they've discovered they've got a big, beefy number nine. And sadly, the latest team whose stay will be brief is the nation who plays under the maple leaf. The only question I will pose... Why did Atiba Hutchinson have a tampon up his nose? And in a tournament that has plenty of shocks, Costa Rica finally got out of the blocks. We thought they were trash, and then we see they beat a Japan team that beat Germany. And Morocco were rewarded for being bold against a Belgium team that's a little bit old. If Trump fans really want to find fraud, they should look at the Belgians, who are quite flawed. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who just ordered the hottest Thai food known to man to <laughs> Brooklyn HQ, Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I ordered the same meal we got earlier in the week with a few additions, and apparently one of those additions was all the spice, because I saw Ryan Bailey turn the color of an England jersey uh, bright red, but he handled it well. He handled it like a pro. A gentleman it. who said, this is quite spicy, about 14 <laughs> times. I'm not sure. Not sure Ryan handled it well. He was crying out for, quote, a yogurt. He said, Graham, yogurt, yogurt, yogurt me. me. Yogurt me. Yogurt hard. me. Yogurt me hard is a line that was said this evening. It was very spicy. It was. At this point, I feel like I should note that we had to order the food on the way because we were coming back from the live watch along, which was super fun here in Brooklyn. Mm. We had a good time, but that does mean we've had a very, very long day. We are more than a little punchy. This one's going to be loose. Maybe so, but my pulse has returned to normal levels, I believe, and uh, I can taste the inside of my mouth again. Um, Joe Lowry's joining us, president of the Gavi and Pedri fan club. Is that right? I, I would certainly like to be. I think there might be a few others in line ahead of me, but if they are taking applications, I will happily submit one. Excellent. The other thing is, Taylor, I know how often you've talked about them squeezing the third lion onto England's crest, yeah. but I'm staring directly at yeah. Ryan's, what was that, your left peck? Right now, as we're recording, because I sit across the table from Ryan, and they really did just not plan that out very no, well. No, no, no. He, he got he got short shift there. I do feel bad for uh, for that for that lion who's been there for I'm assuming a very very yeah, long gotta time. Got to be cramped. Just be cramped. wedged on in there. Uh, speaking of Gavi and Pedri, I sat next to Joe for the first half of uh, the watch along, and the noises he makes out a lot of, of noises. that man's head were just like. It was as though he were just seeing Renaissance uh, masterpiece upon Renaissance masterpiece. Like Gavi would would like breathe or like just adjust his shirt a little bit and be like, "Oh, yeah, that's just you." Just, I just don't go, know how he does Oh my that. god! Oh my god! I've oh my god! god. Ooh, ooh, we got we have the the Graham Lowry, uh, Graham Rothman, Graham Joe Lowry impression. Yeah. It's my favorite. I did I did write in the doc which you all have access to. I was ready to admit to this. I said I definitely had the highest number of satisfied ah. Oh watching Spain put on a clinic for stretches of this game. That's exactly what I wrote in the doc. It is true. I'm sure it was a treat for everyone to listen to me. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect to have Joe Lowry sex noises in my uh, notes, but here we are. Here we are. 
That's going to haunt my dreams. <laughs> also here, Graham Rutherford. Hey, Graham. Hello, Ryan Bailey. How was that watch-along party for you? We did a lovely watch-along with TSS uh, listeners uh, for Spain versus Germany. Mm. It was a good time, right? It was. I enjoyed the bit where we got so many answers to one particular question that we realized we had the wrong answer yeah. and had to change that on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. And Graham's being nice. We means me. I got that one wrong. <laughs> and then I saw the correct answer and thought... Yeah, that's the right one. I had that wrong. I had that wrong. It was a different uh, Scandinavian American mm. than the one that I mm. thought. Indeed. We, we did a quiz. We gave away Chili's gift cards. Life is good. I can't believe that we sent you to the store to get a gift card. Ryan mm. came back with the Chili's gift card. I guess, I don't know what I expected, but I should have expected that. You, you've, you've heard the uh, fable of the frog <laughs> and the scorpion, right? <laughs> You know what I am. You know what I was when you sent me to the store. I, th- I think we're going to put the quiz in the Patreon as well. So if anyone wants to ooh, view ooh. the quiz, subscribe to the Patreon and it'll be there. Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show for TSS Plus. Excellent reminder, Graham. There's bonus podcasts. There's bonus content searches, quizzes, trivia, if you will, if you speak american uh there's lots of videos lots of bonus content while we are here um while during the world cup i should say so please help support us in that way if you are so inclined uh fantastic podcast today ad free podcast baby woo no ad income for us from this one but hey let's get going anyway spain won germany won alvaro Morata and niklas fulkrug with the goals here germany uh, Joe had their first points and their hopes of staying alive in this World Cup are alive. That's a tautology. They are alive. Germany were very fortunate with the result that they probably didn't wake up to this morning, but we did, which was Costa Rica beating Japan, which I did not expect in a, in a million years. It mm. could have gone today such that Germany would have been eliminated by the time we're recording this podcast right now. According to 538, they're sitting at a cool 67% chance to get out of their group. That's not bad, especially given what could have been today. I thought watching this game, and, and we watched this game relatively closely, even, even having fun chatting with others around as well. I mean, you watch these two teams play, and they looked like two potential World Cup finalists. Spain and the yeah. way that they move the ball, the quality that they have, I, I do quite love. Gavi and Pedri, I think they are absolutely sensational. I've already mentioned that earlier on in this tournament and in the, in the past as well. You look at Spain and, and all the things that they do. Then you look at Germany and how they play. Luis Enrique said it straight up before this competition started, or at least before this game started. I believe he said it on Twitch, basically saying, yeah, Germany are the closest thing to to Spain. They're the closest thing to us in this competition. And while Germany did dominate a lot of this game with the ball, Germany had their moments as well. Jamal Musiala is uh, one of the only young talents in the world that's on Pedri and Gavi's level. Uh, uh, Fonzie Flick made a couple of changes in this game as well to go with sort of a more Spanish-style Luis Enrique, false nine. He had Thomas Muller playing up top to mirror Marco Asensio in some ways. Just a, a really fun game. Yeah, there were times in this match when it was like watching the future. So two, both teams are, are very strong in, in the press, but also very strong in resisting the press. And that's where football is heading if it's not already there. And players like Gavi and Pedri and Musiala are, are, are the result of that. And even in stretches where there wasn't a great deal happening in terms of shots and chances, in terms of the techno- technical ability of this match, it felt like something yeah. at a higher level than we have seen at, at this yeah. World Cup so far. And Musiala is, is, it was maybe the embodiment oh, of that. So good. The, 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 the common theme of this match, or the common thread for both teams in this match, was how they dealt with the other one's press. Yep. And so Germany had Musiala, who is just so incredibly slippery. He is so good in tight spaces. And, and another play, uh, uh, an inferior player, another inferior player would have just crumbled against that Spanish press. And then on, this, on the Spanish side of things, 
Gavi and Pedri as well to have those mm. players playing through the, the German press which is, is is very strong in its own right that was the, the common theme of the game who which team was going to handle the other one's press better and we saw the, the Musiala, Pedri and Gavi kind of come to the fore and there's something about that that makes this game so pretty. When a team is high pressing the way both of these were, and when both teams are able to play out of that press, or at least effectively try to play out of that press, even if eventually they lose the ball or eventually they have to go long, the the kind of quick ball movement, the awareness of we know how alive these people are gonna these players are gonna be to pressing us to cutting off options, so we have to then create space for ourselves, and that they both kept finding ways to do that, I thought was exceptional. I really think there's a chance that we see these two teams in the final. We know that. W- like assuming both of them get out of this group, which is not a given, but if they do, they'll be on opposite sides of the bracket. And I think the way they play, the variety they have, uh, the the incredible ability of so many of their players and the depth they both have on top of that, uh, I think there's a decent chance that we could see these two again in the final. Um, Joe, some changes to lineups here. We had Asensio leading the line for Spain here. And on the German side, Kerr and Raum back in fullback positions with Sula going to centre-back. We had Goretzka coming in here. Uh, I believe that was Gundogan who was playing that position in yep. the first game. And old Domi Muller up top. How about that? I think a lot of those changes for Hansi Flick were made to try to give them more control in this game. So you think about Thomas Muller... What he does that maybe Kai Havertz doesn't do, I think he's more comfortable floating into different pockets of space. He is a he's a very atypical number nine. We've seen him do this job before from time to time, but he is much more of an attacking midfielder. And the other thing that he is, Thomas Muller is a good presser, right? Even though he's getting up there a little bit in age at this point, he's 33. Thomas Muller is still smart about picking his spots and knowing how to lead a line. And he's had lots of experience throughout his career in doing that kind of thing, either as part of a front two or playing you know, higher up as a number 10. In this game, he is that number nine. In Germany, I think what helped them control Spain so well, and, and Spain did have a lot of the ball, but didn't really create that much in this match. Germany's press and overall their defensive structure was really key to this. They defended deeper in a 4-4-2 at times. They pressed up with, with Muller leading that line. I think with Muller in there, Flick felt a little more confident about his abil- about his team's ability to control Spain in this game. And then you think about some of the depth that Germany have as well. You know, we see a couple of the players that came on uh, in the first game for Germany in this particular tournament. You have Ludwig Sané coming on, and he has a couple of very dangerous runs in behind the back line. You have Fulkrug come on, and, and he scores kind of the classic not big boy. He's not he's not key for more size, but he scores. He's still a big boy. Yeah, he's a proper number nine, right? He is an mm. old school nine that I assume warms your heart, Ryan. Just a lot to like and yeah. a lot of different things that this German team can throw at you. Fulkrug's story is quite remarkable. Has anyone read into where he's kind of come from? Because he's not a player, he's certainly not a player who's been at the elite level for very long. So he he only made his Germany debut 11 days ago. He was in the second division last season. Wikipedia says he listens to Eye of the Tiger for motivation and, quote, following an incident at Werder Bremen's training ground, he once ended up hospitalised with the tooth of his teammate wedged in his forehead. That didn't happen in this match, but his physicality was important. A tooth lodged in forehead, did you say? Indeed. You heard me right. Huh. So he's German Jamie Vardy, is what you're saying, right? Uh, I think Jamie Vardy does that at the party, <laughs> not necessarily at the, on the pitch. <laughs> Uh, I would just like to say one more final note for me uh, came from a text from my friend Jordan who messaged me that he really appreciated uh, Fire Trek of Lawyers Get Ready that Leroy Sané went for the high-end Coke dealer look for this game today. <laughs> he was going for the look. I think it's the mustache that really that really gave him that air. Uh, maybe he could have uh, had that goal there at the end, but he was focused on other things. Uh, I did think in the end, Germany, maybe we're going to get all three points, but I think a, a one-to-one draw is fair. Yeah, I wouldn't know what one of those looks like, Taylor, but he did look very slick with the with the man bun today, shall <laughs> yes, we say, shall yes. we say. 
Yeah, um, no, no, no time for my boy Kai Havertz, Joe. Uh, with Schwarzkopf coming <laughs> yeah. in as number nine, he's gone from like starting the Germany front line to being banished to and, not existing, basically. And not only that, one game. Alvaro Morata scoring your favorite Ryan. This, this was just a bad game for Ryan, so I yeah. sat next to Ryan for a, the second half of this particular game. And Kai Havertz doesn't feature at all, which made Ryan sad because he was Ryan's pick for Golden Boot in this competition. Mm. And then Alvaro Morata scores right after Ryan says, "Ah." This one's going to be nil-nil. Yeah, so it was, it was just a banner game for Ryan predicting things, which just made it more fun well, for the no, rest no, of us. No, no, it was better than that. He was gloating about predicting nil-nil. I, I predicted this would be nil-nil. I, said, I backed the tie. I backed the tie is what I backed, and that came through to my credit. It did. Also, my very specific prediction also came in for this one. I said that there would be only 100 passes between these two teams. Spain had 637. Germany had... So my, my part, it came in completely. So there you go. Well, you did great, Ryan. Great yeah. job. Don't fact check that. <laughs> fact check one of the numbers, I said, certainly. Uh, any more on this game, gents? Anything more for Spain, perhaps? I, I, who who would you most likely see as a winner Spain. of the World Cup should these two teams meet in the World Cup final? It'll be Spain? Yeah, Spain. I, I very much liked what I've seen of them at this tournament. I think that the control that they have gives them a natural platform in pretty much every game that, that, that they play. It's very difficult to, to beat their press, very difficult to play through them, very difficult just to get the ball off them. And I guess, yeah. speak, stating the obvious, that makes them difficult to play against. Uh, you know, like the Cuisinart stand mixer. I, I was—I've never had a stand mixer in my kitchen, and I finally got one for Father's Day one year, and it's awesome. But you can add all the different attachments to make it more than just like a mixer. It can be all these different things. It feels like uh, Spain have all of the different attachments in the in their squad. That if you need them to be blunt and direct, they can do that. If you want to be tiki taka and death by a thousand passes, they can do that. They can counterattack if they need to. They can sit off if they need to. They can high press. It just seems like Luis Enrique knows this squad, knows his players. Ryan is very furrowed with this analogy. Uh, but I, I but I think it's basically just they're the team that I think knows themselves the best. The coach knows them the best, and I think knows how to make adjustments that are required in game at halftime to be able to get the best out of them and to be able to get the best results. My frown was because I've never heard that brand said aloud. I assumed it was a portmanteau of cuisine and art, so it would be cuisine art. It also might be KitchenAid now that I think about it for a moment. But either way, okay. a stand mixer with attachments. That's Luis Enrique. Yeah. I'll add I'll add one more beat on this. I, I loved watching Spain, and I love that analogy as well, Taylor. It's really, really good. What do you say? Cuisinart or Cuisinart? I think it's a KitchenAid mixer. Anyway. I think it might be too. I think, <laughs> anyway. you, I think you might be right. Cuisinart sounds like it's medication. It's pistachio colored. It's my favorite. <laughs> I have no idea what is happening or what you guys are talking about. Graham eats his food off the floor. Graham, so. that's like 60% of the time, I feel like, with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, In Scotland, we just mash our food with a rock. <laughs> I just get in there in my hands. Joe ate leftover Thanksgiving food today, and Graham was... More than just befuddled, just completely flummoxed that Joe was eating mashed potatoes for breakfast. It was also the chicken was the confusing uh, bit. That is kind of confusing, yeah. to be fair. I, I sympathize with that, but I'm down for savory food for breakfast. Anyway, sorry, one more beat on Spain. Uh, as much as I loved watching them in this game, and as, as fun and as many weird noises as I make while watching Pedri and Gavi play soccer, <laughs> they, they didn't create that was one of them. anything in this game, really. I mean, they took seven <laughs> shots. One, two, three, four of them were from outside the box. Okay. And, and th- two of them... Sorry, we're from beyond the penalty spot, basically, the, the distance, so beyond 12 yards. I I think it is a little bit of a concern for Spain that they didn't create more in this game. Now, I will say they didn't really need much out of this game, so they probably were not really unleashing the dogs. But that's one concern I have. The other concern, as much as I love this team, is Alvaro Morata. Less because of his goal scoring. I, I have faith in him to get in good spots and finish chances, even if, even if others sort of point to a lot of his misses and, and point that out. 
But the area that I thought he struggled in this game was defensively. When he comes on, and John McKenzie had a really good thread about this on Twitter. Uh, he works for TIFO through The Athletic and basically pointed out that the pressing dropped off exponentially from Marco Asensio to, uh, to, to Alvaro Morata. That's something to keep our eyes on as Spain get further and further in this tournament where they face capable attacking teams like Germany. I'm not sure it's a coincidence that Spain go 1-0 up because of Morata, but then allow that equalizer with Morata leading the press from the front. Uh, Ryan, if you don't mind, a final update for me. It is indeed a KitchenAid stand mixer. Thank you. I apologize for throwing a wrench into things. And on a, uh, a show with no ads, here we are mentioning all the brands we can. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Didn't think about that. <laughs> Money, please. Money, please. <laughs> uh, one, one depressing note from me for Jamal Musiala, um, who obviously was a, a, a prominent player in this game. Uh, born in Germany, of course, but spent most of his childhood in South London. Grew up in South London. Was in the Chelsea youth setup for many years. Oh boy! I found out today oh the no. reason he left the UK was because of Brexit. Mm. His mum wanted to go back to Germany, mm. and then he went and played for Germany instead. Can I shock you? I'm now in favour of Brexit. Good decision, UK. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just isolate that bit of audio to make sure that we have for Graham for the future. And, and the giant sigh, which I just did, that followed it. Okay, let's move on to Croatia 4, Canada 1 from the Mir oh. Khalifa Stadium. That's canon, right? We can still call it yep. that. Good, mm-hmm. good, good. Yep. Uh, a historic moment for Canada as Alfonso Davies becomes their first ever goal scorer after just 68 seconds. However, Canada yeah. are the second team to go home now. Uh, a good, good uh, line from James Richardson, fellow podcaster, who says, Canada, like their bacon, was sliced up on the counter. Very good indeed. I like that. Um, Taylor, what do we make of this on Croatia? Just basically, they have a very good midfield and they started to dominate in midfield as the game went on and Canada couldn't hang. Is that the, the story? Yeah, I think so. Though The story seems to be that John Herdman said things and now he must be roasted for it publicly. Uh, that seems to be the media reaction. It also seems to have been the Croatia reaction after the equalizer and then the go-ahead goal. Apparently a lot of the, uh, the celebrations were in his direction. Yeah. Some of the Croatia bench players were celebrating in his direction. It doesn't seem like his sort of attempt at motivating Canada went over too well with the Croatian team, but it seemed like it did for a minute. It felt like, ooh, Alfonso Davies has scored this goal. We're off to a flying start. This is the Canada we expected to see. We almost saw against Belgium, but they couldn't take those chances. Here they are. Now they're going to put it all together. And then the opposite of that occurred. Yeah, so I want to do a beat on the comments that Herdman said. Please. So Herdman goes and talks to the media after uh, Canada's lost to Belgium on match day one. And before that, there had been a big huddle on the field with Herdman in the middle after that loss. And so the media asked him, you know, what did you say in that huddle? And he said, I told them they belong here, talking about Canada, that they belong here. And we're going to go and F Croatia. It's as simple as it gets. So that's the that's the quote from Herdman in that game. Is, Croatia, it, is that a simple task? Uh, no, but maybe, maybe the message is simple. So Croatia tabloid goes and, and has the picture of John Herdman basically naked on the front page, and they're, they're sort of making fun of John Herdman. And then we get this absolutely incredible quote from Kramaric, who is playing up top, or, or playing in the front line for Croatia in this game, through an interpreter in his post-game press conference. Uh, Kramaric said, These are words that have motivated the whole of Croatia. I want to thank the coach of Canada for the motivation. He could have chosen better words. He could have formulated it a bit differently. In the end, Croatia demonstrated who effed whom. I really like that. <laughs> and the idea of a translator tossing that out after a game, so going from Croatian to English, I think is absolutely also, delightful. Subject and object there. Well, well done, right? I was going to say, who effed whom. So you had all this. I, I don't really have an issue with what John Herdman said and, and what he even said to the media. I certainly don't have an issue with whatever he said to his team. 
But even you know, using that as bulletin board material, is it bulletin board material for Croatia? Absolutely. But Canada have kind of made their money in CONCACAF and even against Belgium by being this brash, up-and-coming team that sort of doesn't care about legacy that is going to get in your way and slap you in the face. That's been this John Herdman Canadian team for, for a while now, and it's been what's made them so good. So I don't think they lost against Croatia and were knocked out of the World Cup today because of those comments. I think that's a, a sort of a ridiculous narrative. Did it, did it aid Croatia and make them up for it a bit in this game? Sure, absolutely it did. But I would wager it did the same for Canada. So in some ways, I think Herdman accomplished his goals. What ruined it for Canada in this game is that John Herdman's tactical game plan was, yeah. was not good. So if we're going to heap, heap blame on John Herdman, it should be because he plays Hutchinson and Estacchio in midfield against Canada's midfield three and, and watches them get torn apart and still leaves Atiba Hutchinson on the field for the second half. And it was just one thing after another tactically and execution wise that killed Canada in this game. For whom the F tolls indeed. Was it oh the, yes, that's it. <laughs> was it the same translator that had to do her Renard's <laughs> translation? Cause if it was a so. tough task yeah, for the translator. Earn their money. That's for sure. Yeah. Graham. Quick question, which is surprisingly on topic. Have you seen the movie? She's the man with Amanda Bynes. I don't think I have. Uh, well, maybe I have actually. There is, um, it's not a plot point, but a point in the movie where she pretends to be a boy to play on the men's soccer mm-hmm. team, basically. Uh, and she gets a nosebleed, or the character gets a nosebleed, puts a tampon up there to, uh, sure. to stop the blood flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Hutchinson did exactly the same thing, basically pulling uh, inspiration from Amanda Bynes for this, uh, for this e- game. Effective? Yeah. It worked? Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No complaints here? Didn't plug up the midfield? So no, no. Uh-huh. That, it, that it did not. It, I'm sure it stopped the bloody nose. I, I could not believe how easily Canada were carved through in this game. Alfonso Davies comes out and, and scores a goal in the second minute. Graham, you said it was the fastest goal of this World Cup, correct? Yes, indeed. Yeah, so it's a great moment. And Croatia look sluggish. They do not look up for it at all on that sequence. Tejan Buchanan has all day to play the ball into Alfonso Davies. Davies with a great header. Canada are 1-0 up, and it looks like they're well on their way to three points in a, in a really important game for them. And then as the game goes on, they just cannot hold up their pressure. They, they cannot, they do not have the legs to go and press Croatia. And they, they really didn't have the cohesion in the middle to deal with anything coming down the gut. There's a sequence in the 22nd minute that I think really does sum up this game. It's Croatia in possession. Mateo Kovacic is playing as a left-sided central midfielder in their, in their midfield three. He receives the ball under absolutely no pressure with Canada in their mid-block. Then he skates past Atiba Hutchinson, who is, I believe, the oldest outfield player in this World Cup. He's 39. Kovacic skates past Hutchinson like he's a traffic cone and then just plays a teammate in the box very easily for a nice look. And the shot doesn't really come off, but that was very emblematic of Canada's defense in this game and Croatia's attack. They grew into the first half, Croatia did. They end up scoring four goals. Canada, again, I don't think because of the comments in this game at all, I think because they were a bit naive tactically and just didn't play well at all in this game, are going home. They are indeed. I was I was gonna say earmuffs for Canadian listeners for a moment, but it's kind of probably too late. listening with yeah. uh, earpod AirPods in or like earbuds. Just take them out for a second. But th- this game honestly made me feel better about Greg Berhalter's tactics against England because it did seem like you can sort of go for it and really open yourself up and try to make something happen. And it did seem like that's what Canada were doing as they went one behind, then two behind, and then three behind. But they kept going further and further behind, I think, because they were so open, because they didn't really shut it down, lock it down, and then build from there. And so I think you see here what happens if you try to be a little bit too open against a team that have played together for a very long time, have a ton of chemistry, and not not the least, but have Luka Modric, who can run that midfield, who can mm. find passes, who can create space. And I think you see just the difference in World Cup experience there. Yeah, I didn't watch this game as closely as the two of you did, but 
it very much seemed to me that you had a, a team that is used to being in this sort yeah. of environment mm-hmm. and a team that's at its first major tournament yeah. for however long it is, 36 years. And this obviously this crop hasn't been at a major tournament. So the hope for Canada is they're back on this stage relatively mm-hmm. soon and they learn from this experience. Yeah, and like and that might even sound, and I agree with you entirely, Graham, there might be people who think like, oh, that's, yeah, of course, they're new here. Like, But no, I think that is a thing that if you are in your first World Cup, or first World Cup since 1986, and you get peg back like that or you go down one like that i i can see how you would panic i can see how i would panic of like oh no we had it and now we don't have it and how do we come back and and i think looking at the uh, the belgium game for a moment when alfonso davies misses that penalty i can see how you would have a difficult time sort of picking yourself up from that one i look at croatia in the like uh in in opposition to that and the way that they have like consistently found a way to get through difficult opponents uh potentially more talented opponents, I think there's something to be said for having the tournament experience and having the self-belief to be able to get something out of it. Uh, Graham, as for Croatia, you know, drawing the first game with Morocco, is this more of what we'd expect from them? Do you think this might be the basis for a decent run now? I was surprised by how much of an attacking threat, even in this match, that they were able to, to carry. I, I'm not entirely sold on even players like Kramaric, who obviously does well in this game. In terms of the control that they have, yes, this is what this is what Croatia ha- or do with that midfield uh, trio of Brozovic, Modric and Kovacic. So yes, in that respect, it's what I expected to see from them. But I think Canada, with the, their high line and the space they left them behind, they did give something Croatia, uh, they did give Croatia something to target. Indeed. Is anyone else bummed about this? Like, I really am. Like, yeah. I, I really thought Canada were, if not going to make a run, I thought they'd get they'd get a win and a draw in there. I thought we would see them score some goals. It felt like they did. They were so consistently good in qualifying and seemed like they had built that kind of core, uh, had found ways to win in different ways of approaching the game. I just, I didn't really see this coming, and yeah. I'm sure there are at least a few people listening who are, who are bummed out. And uh, I, I guess I, I sympathize because... It, it is never fun uh, to be out of a World Cup, and, and mm. I think to have had at least some expectation probably doesn't help. I suppose it's, Taylor, that you can be as hot as you like coming into a tournament, but ultimately at this level comes down to reps and experience, mm-hmm. right? And when you come up against a team like Croatia, who have the reps, the experience, who know they were went deep in this, this tournament last time around. Mm. You can be Hansel and be so hot right now, but ultimately Derek <laughs> Zoolander will win out. And that Derek Zoolander is, I guess, Luka Modric in this analogy. And now Canada are derelicted. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Canada. We're loopy. I apologize, listeners. Andre Kramaric, by the way, for a second goal celebration. I don't know if you caught this, Graham. He just lifted his shirt up to show his abs and Mm. sort of went, yay, I've got perfect musculature. Look at me. I I would do that every day if I had abs on the bus, celebrate with a little ab flash. Just turn on the TV, (laughs) ab flash. It's <laughs> just Graham finding new ways. Huh? huh? Yeah. huh? <laughs> well, yeah, it was sensational uh, ad flash. Maybe we'll see more of that as the tournament goes on. Croatia taking on Belgium in the next game with Canada taking on Morocco. Croatia topping the group at the moment with four points. Morocco in second. Belgium with three. Canada with zero and eliminated. Uh, let's jump to Group E for a moment. Japan nil. Costa Rica one. Woofed. Woofed indeed. Welcome to CONCACAF, Japan. (laughs) What happened here, Taylor? Uh, 
that was kind of what I asked myself when I woke up. This is the second time in this tournament that I have uh, failed to wake up for a 5 a.m. game. Admittedly, this time it was on purpose. The uh, Saudi Arabia game, I definitely overslept. But I woke up and saw my phone in the Saudi Arabia game and said, like, oh, Argentina won 2-1. to one. Eh, A little closer than I thought it would be. And then you all were shocked by that, and then I realized I had it wrong. Same thing today. I thought Japan, oh, a well, 1-0 win. Like, yeah, that's pretty routine. I guess they were uh, a little bit conservative and then realized, nope, they lost. Mm. So to rewatch it again... It's I. This might just be the case that I know the results, so then I can sort of see the narrative happening. But as I watched this game, it was just the most definitive Costa Rica ex- experience. And that might sound like I am being critical. I am not. If anything, I'm, I am apologizing. Because when we talked about Costa Rica last time, I felt like maybe this is it. Maybe this is the end of the line for this generation. Maybe they needed to freshen up, and they haven't, and now here they are. And I think I at least speculated they would not win another game. They go out and win a game, and they do it by playing the exact style of football we have come to expect from them that we have seen from them since 2014. They sat deep. They defended very deep. They frustrated Japan. Uh, There was some gamesmanship in there. Uh, Calvo, the center back, will miss their final game of the group because he gets turned very easily by uh, Japanese winger Ito when he comes in. And Calvo just recognizes it's so it's like the most perfect example of CONCACAFERI knows exactly where he is knows exactly how much time he has to pull Ito down by the jersey and it is at most six inches from being inside the penalty box he knows exactly where to do it exactly how to do it so that he only gets the yellow doesn't get the red because there are players around them but it's moments like that that I think lull Japan into a false sense of security or at least a false sense of complacency of they're not going to pose an attacking risk so uh, Japan can then you know we can take our time we can kind of mess around with it and then Costa Rica get a goal courtesy of Japan failing to clear failing to clear again failing to challenge for a 50-50 ball Costa Rica win it play it off Fuller has the shot i think it takes a slight deflection which is why it looks so odd and the trajectory is so weird slowest shot in the world to yeah. have ever found the back of the net I, I i none of the replays have given me a good angle but it they all seem to go off a japanese player's hand like i think it just skims off it and that's what gives it that weird little extra elevation to drop in almost insultingly it's a credit to costa rica for executing the costa rican game plan the costa rican blueprint uh and they did it very, very effectively in this game. I think Japan have to be feeling a little bit stunned given that win against Germany to then be pegged back by Costa Rica. Joe, can you further elaborate on what Costa Rica did here and how Japan went from shocking Germany to this? Well, I mean, Costa Rica didn't open up really at all in this game in the way that Germany opened up mm. some in that in that game against uh, against Japan. Oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about <laughs> Japan here. That's delightful. They didn't open up. They constricted space in the back. So mm-hmm. in this match, Japan didn't really have anywhere to go. And and I don't think we've seen in this competition that Japan can consistently generate attacking chances. They had one good half or maybe one good half of a half against Germany and zero good halves of the two. In this game against, against Costa Rica, Costa Rica's 5-4-1 block, which is what they shift to in this game, did a really good job of of making Japan feel miserable. And at that point, this game was pretty much done, right? Costa Rica mm-hmm. find a way to get three points, which I guess was not guaranteed in this match. They find a way to get three points. Japan never really looked dangerous on a consistent basis in this game. They are now, Japan facing an uphill battle, 
to get out of this group, which is not at all what I thought was going to happen after they go out there and, and shock Germany for three points. And if you need further evidence of uh, just how Costa Rica this game was, Costa Rica took out uh, from the starting 11 uh, that lost 7-0 to Spain. They took out Bennett, uh, Bennett, who was 18 years old, and they took out, I believe, Martinez, who's 23. In came Torres, who is 25, and in came Kendall Waston, who is, old. I think he like no longer ages because he's been there that long. Uh, and it's a veteran team, and you contrast that with Japan. Like, I want to say up front, like, I am not a Japan expert. I do not know nearly as much about Japan as I do, say, the United States. So this is a little bit of a leap. But I will say, this felt like a game in which Japan thought, we got this in the bag. They mm -hmm. make five changes from the team that beat Germany. Uh, it did not feel like they were sort of aware of the challenge and how much they were going to have to do to break down this Costa Rica team. I think Landon Donovan himself said it. it. It can be really difficult once you get beat like that to bounce back. And I will be surprised if Costa Rica are able to sort of have that bounce to find that resilience. That was him in the first five minutes or so. As the game goes on, you can just see they are there. They are playing their game. And I think Japan were not aware of how much effort it was going to take to find a way through that. And Costa Rica made him pay for it. Indeed. Group E looking delicately poised now. Spain on top with four points, a win and a draw. That comfortable plus seven goal difference, which might be a difference maker for them come the final game day. Japan in second spot with three, also Costa Rica with three points. Germany have to beat Costa Rica on the final day to stand a chance of going through to the World Cup knockout stages. Any more on this game, Graham, before we move on to our last one? Just some of the changes from Japan are confusing given yep. that the you talk about resting some players uh taylor the the players who did the best for japan in the first game were the ones who came on in the second half yep. who really didn't need to be rested and don't start this game so yeah very confused by that all right then belgium nil morocco two goodness me what is happening today morocco's <laughs> third ever world cup win in their first since 1998 a truly huge moment for the nation uh, i'm being a bit facetious about belgium there but true credit to morocco for that one um a, a reward Joe, for a pretty strong second half performance here from the Moroccans. Sorry, I'm playing Angry Birds on my phone. <laughs> uh -huh. Are you are you just trying to uh, give Graham uh, memories and images of Roberto Martinez? I am. Uh, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I also, Ryan. I was too busy trying to prepare the bit that I was not listening to what you asked me. What? Is, what? Tell me uh, what you said. If you don't mind. Morocco, How did Morocco play? Morocco good second uh -huh. half, yeah. Uh, why why yeah. good? Morocco, Morocco, fine. Is that this bit land for you, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I'm so yeah. glad you executed that so well. And listen, he was actually holding his phone, pretending to do everything. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if I could download. It was, yeah. just, it wasn't going to happen, people. I'm sorry, it was not going to happen. Morocco were, were fine in this game. Credit to them. This is a massive win for them. Boo, Joe. They're Boo. on four points. What do you want? What do you want me to say, Taylor? They weren't amazing. They didn't create chance after chance after chance. They, defensively, I think was the best. Uh, th their defense was the best part of this game for Morocco. They're in this pretty compact four-one-four-one mid block, and they do a good job of shadowing Kevin De Bruyne and blocking off passing angles. Pretty much everything that Belgium does is is to go through Kevin De Bruyne. That's what they want to do. And Morocco said, "Yeah, we're not really going to give you access to De Bruyne in open play. You're going to have to take advantage on set pieces." And, and Belgium never really did that. So, again, fair play to Morocco. They get a couple of goals in this game. They're on four points. They're in a really good spot. Mm. Belgium, I think, is is the real story, though. They were they were bad. And this is when I turn it over to Graham to <laughs> can, do his thing, baby. Can I set the stage before you do? Because, Please. like, Graham has been annoyed at various points in this tournament, both with his, his uh, housemates a little bit, not so much, but mostly, I think, with some of the way these games have played out. 
This is about the most annoyed I've seen Graham. Like, really worked up, I think, by the <sighs> tactics, the approach, even the personnel uh, from from Roberto Martinez. And I think it was really telling that I, I had the prediction that uh, Trafakimi, uh, Morocco's right back, would have at least four take-ons because I thought the only way Morocco are going to be able to win this game is if they can rely on their on their two fullbacks who are exceptionally good, Mazraoui and Hakimi. Graham pointed out this might be the best fullback pairing in the entire World Cup. They really did not do anything in this no. game. And yet... They still won because they played a very cohesive game, Morocco did, and Belgium did not do anything. Belgium are a bad team at this tournament anyway. They certainly have individual talent, and this match did nothing to quell the building frustration I have around Belgium and how they play under Roberto Martinez. They just do not have an identity as as a team, and maybe that has always been the case with Martinez as as manager. But at past World Cups, they had the individual talent to get by. They don't have that. Let the hate flow through you. They just don't have that anymore, (laughs) certainly as long as Martinez is trying to relive 2018 by basically playing the same team as four years ago and, and and it is even more frustrating when you look at some of the options have and I under uh, some of the options that Belgium have mm-hmm. and I understand that the next generation is maybe not as shiny as the one that they, they've just had but there are still options there so I just can't understand why Martinez goes for the two Hazard brothers as the wide men of in a 4-2-3-1 when surely I'm the not right sure approach... Hazard knew either no me, me, again me all right this is the player who said <laughs> he's he's not sure yep. that he's ever going to be yep. good again Essentially, and Kevin De Bruyne in an interview, and we, we discussed this before we started yeah. recording, it might have been tongue-in-cheek. It has to be. But he said in an interview, we can't win the World Cup, we're too old. Yeah. And Roberto Martinez has asked about those comments after this game. Kevin De Bruyne might be right on the basis of this performance, but Martinez isn't helping things because there's no replenishment of this team whatsoever. Yeah. The, the two Hazard brothers as the wide men in this game, when, and to my mind, you want to try and get in behind those Morocco fullbacks who are going to be pushing up, and they didn't really push up that high but they, because they didn't need to in, in, in this game. But Belgium have players like Carrasco. Carrasco starts the first game. This is the game where you want Yannick Carrasco to have that vertical threat, to have that outlet. So why does Carrasco come out of of, of this team? Leandro Trossard, he's not quite as vertical as as Yannick Carrasco, but he gets 15 minutes in this game. Charles de Cattelier, who isn't in great form for AC Milan, but still still has the potential to do something different, to attack the half Mm -hmm. spaces. And Belgium just, they have no identity. They play so slowly. They're very predictable. They have no vertical threat whatsoever. And as I say, I think they're a bad team, even though they've got good players. And, and Graham, they took off Onana as well. He oh. was one of the few good things about their game. I forgot how mad that made Graham. So Andre Onana <laughs> comes into this team. I forgot. That worked so well to wind Graham up. <laughs> it's so easy with Belgium and Martinez. Onana had been one of the few good things about this Belgian performance. Mm. We were talking about how he just provides a bit more coverage. He stopped Morocco getting forward in quick transition and then Martinez takes him off and lo and behold Morocco scored two goals and at least one of those goals wasn't from a moment of quick transition where Renano's not on the pitch so for someone who's been national team manager for how long has Martinez been in that job it's a long time now maybe eight years or something 2016 I think I think wow amazing that he doesn't seem to have a grasp of the squad and what their qualities are and, and when to use them. He doesn't have any intelligence in that regard. Graham, I don't want to upset you, but I have a quote here. It sounds like Roberto <laughs> Martinez has said that Super John McGinn is only okay John McGinn? No, oh, no. Oh, it's gone too far now. On a serious note, one, one point you made there about Carrasco I think is worth drilling down on for a moment because to my memory in the 2018 World Cup, it was 
learning and realizing how to use Carrasco as a sort of left back, left wing back hybrid who could who could get the ball forward but also still drop it and give them defensive cover is what allowed Belgium to make the relative run that they did. It was it was involving Carrasco and getting the best out of him that allowed Belgium to get the best out of that team. And so for Roberto Martinez to still be relying on so many of those players and not the one who kind of changed that team makes very little sense to me and I think probably makes sense it less sense to the Belgian fans that Ryan showed me rioting in the streets after this game. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I saw that as well. I think Graham, not the only one, displeased. They by were this flipping result. cars in Brussels. Yeah, yeah, and knowing Brussels and the Belgian dis- disposition, it takes a lot yeah. for that to happen. Yeah. It, it did also. They seemed to flip the bright red Guy Fieri sort of car, and it did seem like, <laughs> oh man, you're taking it out of the one car. Yeah, that yeah. didn't no. feel fair. Graham, to have a really talented generation of international players and to play uninspiring soccer that's not. It doesn't have a direction. It's not something I've ever experienced no, as I, an England I, fan, yeah. so I feel very sorry for the Belgians. Mm. But where do you think they go from here? Is it a total rebuild? It's a new manager, frankly. I, I, I will always... Uh, I'll always... I, I think I'm quite fair in terms of giving managers time and an international level, it's not always easy, but Martinez has been that, in that job for too long and I can see stagnation. I think of the times when Belgium have actually been quite good under Martinez and when they beat Brazil at the last World Cup in the quarterfinal, that was probably the best Belgian performance I've, I've, I've ever seen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But I think of what they did well in that game. Romelu Lukaku starts on the right wing in that game, which is primarily designed to have that vertical threat. And in this game, they uh, just just 12%, 12% of their completed passes ended in the final third of the pitch. They had 26 touches of, in the box. In each of their last two games, they've had 26 touches in the box. Wow. So I don't understand... I, I don't understand what the game plan is. Yeah. I don't know what Martinez is trying to do. And, and just to be clear, Belgium are not out of this tournament. Mm-hmm. So in terms of what comes next for them, it's it's trying everything they can to beat Croatia because I believe that is what they need to ensure a spot in the round of 16. But it's not guaranteed. And for Belgium, coming in as, I believe, the second-ranked team, according to FIFA, in this mm-hmm. tournament, expectations were higher. Graham's expectations were not higher. And I, I agree with a lot of what he's saying after watching mm-hmm. this team. It's a, It looks like a team of a bunch of players that are past it a bit and are still way better at soccer than I have ever been or will ever be, but just do not have enough speed or enough ability to actively break a team down and attack into the final third. And and that's what we saw today. One positive word for uh, Morocco for me. Uh, This is a team that in 2018 I was really excited about. I felt like they were going to surprise some people, have had plenty of attackers, had plenty of defensive cover as well, I thought could make a run. Uh, I was telling Joe today, like, ah, they were kind of depressing in 2018. It's nice to see them uh, have a little bit better of a run here. And Joe reminded me that they were in a group with Spain and Portugal, which is a difficult one to overcome, I think. So in a group maybe with Belgium that are slightly past it or not slightly up for it. Uh, it's good to see them getting this result and credit to them, again, for doing so without Hakimi and Mazraoui really being that involved. Well, yeah, full credit to Morocco. We had something very unusual in this game. We had a player getting injured during the national anthem as well. Oh, yeah. uh, so Morocco's goalkeeper Bono, he took part in the pre-match national anthem. He fell ill. Uh, he didn't look very well. He sort of doubled over in that national anthem and was replaced at the last minute by a backup keeper who kept a clean sheet. But I don't know, did, Bono felt bad. Maybe he got vertigo. Felt this game wasn't the one. He got stuck in a moment he couldn't get out of. Who could have looking for? Who could who have predicted this? Well, Morocco were going to win with or without him anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, Graham, game works too. in mysterious ways. Graham, you never know. Do you? <laughs> They went from their first and second choices to their 14th choice, uno, dos, tres, catorces. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. That one too. I hate you too. I don't like like this game. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the final part of this here podcast, our very specific predictions for tomorrow's slate of games. We've got the last 
5 a.m. game of this tournament tomorrow. Is that right, Joe? That's right, isn't it? I, Please tell I me hope right. so. I think it is. Uh, it's Serbia versus Cameroon in the morning. Then we've got an 8 a.m. Eastern South Korea taking on Ghana. The 11 a.m. Brazil taking on Switzerland. And then the headline 2 p.m. slot is Uruguay's match against Portugal. Let's jump back, Taylor, mm-hmm. to Serbia against Cameroon. A very specific prediction, please. All right. Uh, if Serbia do not play better football tomorrow, you will hear me be as annoyed as Graham was tonight with Belgium because I have talked about up Serbia. I've hyped up Serbia. I feel like they are a team that could make a run. They have plenty of talent, but we didn't really see it against Brazil, and I can't really knock them for that because Brazil Brazil. They had basically an entire team of attackers, and I think uh, Serbia played a more conservative approach. They did not play as many of their attacking players as they could have, and my hope would be that that changes in this game. A big part of that would be that um, Mladenovic started against Brazil as left wing back, uh, only had two passes into the final third because that wasn't really what his game is about. He is much more defensive, and so mine is like a two-part specific prediction for one player. The first is that Filip Kostic will start at left wing back. He is much more attacking. Uh, He is a very useful creative outlet in the attack so I'm predicting he will start and I'm predicting he will double Mladenovic he will have four passes at a minimum into the final third okay uh, Graham Rutherford we turn to you for the Korea Republic taking on Ghana so my VSP for this game is that Juan In Biom will match or better the two key passes he registered against Uruguay He's going to be the player at the base of that South Korean midfield, and he's the one tasked with basically starting attacks from deep. I think South Korea are going to do more in this match to play in this, in, into the space in behind because they basically have to win this match, and so Biom is going to be that supply line. And if he doesn't get this VSP, it's not going to be a good day for South Korea. So that is my VSP for that one. All right, Joe Lowry, we turn to you for Brazil versus Switzerland, and Neymarless Brazil. Sorry, I just can't believe that I forgot that... that- Juan, the player that Graham was just talking about, played for the Vancouver Whitecaps for like a minute. That was fun. Anyway, <laughs> setting that aside, Joe, 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 Joe are you okay? No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super good. Joe you listen to a darn thing I said today, Joe. <laughs> oh, you said that? Did you really? Okay. okay. <laughs> We're just going to keep going. Uh, all right, Brazil, Switzerland. I'm saying that Switzerland... Joe, Joe has a condition that's known as the brain scrape. I have, I have called retired at the moment. Switzerland will create at least two shots from their, quote, drive down the right side through Shaq slash someone else and cut the ball back to a runner in the box, unquote, pattern. I'm expecting that from Switzerland in this game. They won't have much of the ball, but when they do have it against Brazil, I expect it to go down the right side. They created a couple of shots like that earlier on in this World Cup as well. I think they could look to play down the right, cut the ball back, look for Mbolo or maybe a weak side runner, and try to get something against Brazil. Even if they don't score in this game, I think they're going to create at least two shots from that pattern. All right, the final VSP comes from me for Uruguay versus Portugal. It's Fede Valverde-centric, everybody, because we love him so on this podcast. Um, I'm going to say he's going to have at least three shots against South Korea and a goal. Ooh. Um, He had three shots against... Sorry, not against South Korea, against Portugal. He had three shots against South Korea, I should say. My brain's also turning to mush, Joe. Um, And if you look at his shot count from his three games prior to that, three shots, two shots... And five shots, including a goal and assist in that game as well. I've been really on his case since that Madrid derby when he scored, and he was really impactful in that as well. And I think he's going to have plenty of impact in this game. We saw him looking very good against South Korea as well. So um, I'm bullish about Ferdi Valverde. Three shots, mins, maybe a goal. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. 
Shots, cool. shots, 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 shots. <laughs> All right, it's about time we wrap this thing up, it sounds like. Graham Rutherford, go have your shots. Thank you very much. I will. Thank you, Rain Bailey. Joe Lowry, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Good. Hey, Bye. Hey. Goodbye. <laughs> Taylor Rockwell, thank you so much sir, for your contributions as always. Hello, hello. All right, listener, thank you very much. <laughs> we'll be back on the feed tomorrow. But for now, Bye. Bye.